Thank you for coming back to the Coffee House Podcast. We're here to spill the tea on the latest happenings in the medical cannabis industry. I am your co-host, David. I am here with Alyssa, and we are here with BJ Olson. He is one of the co-owners of Unity Road in Hartford, and he's going to be our guest today. And we'd also like to give a shout out to High End Glass for allowing us to use their space to record today. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. How are you doing, BJ? Awesome. You want to introduce yourself quick? Yeah, hi, my name is BJ Olson. I am one of the owners of uh, Unity Road in Hartford, South Dakota. Absolutely. So how did you decide to kind of get into the cannabis industry here in South Dakota? Well, so I own Unity Road with uh, my longtime well, best friend, uh, Adam Jorgensen, and really it kind of came on, on a whim. Uh, his son, uh, actually Adam lives in Arizona. I live up here in South Dakota. Uh, his son plays competitive baseball probably nice. about six, seven years ago. Uh, they came up to Omaha for a tournament. I went down there to see him, and we had a boys' night. <laughs> and uh, through that boys' night, we just kind of started dreaming about, wow, wouldn't it be awesome if we went into business together someday? And uh, then, you know, discussion of, well, man, wouldn't it be awesome to own a dispensary? And right at that time, it was it was getting uh, talked about getting put on the ballot and everything. So as things kept getting closer, we're like, are we really going to do this? Should we do this? And, you know, <laughs> it decided to kind of jump all in and, and we made the decision and, uh Tretch forward. I mean, it was it was it was great. It's been uh, an amazing ride and uh, something that we're truly passionate about. Like we understand the importance of, of the medicine, and uh, you know, it's something that we can do together, which is which is pretty awesome. That's awesome. And you guys were the first dispensary to open in South Dakota, right? So, what what was that like? It was incredible. So July 27th, uh, 2022, we opened our doors. And that day we served about 150 patients uh, in, in the state. St state of South Dakota was waiting for something like this to happen. Right. And, and if you think about it, when we opened the door, there was about 1,500, actually 1,650 medical patients at that time. So day one, we almost served 10% of the available market, which was which was pretty crazy. But crazy. Uh, yeah, opening the doors was incredible. I mean, we've seen so many interesting people come through through with some amazing, incredible stories. That's awesome. So a lot of people come in and obviously we're, with you being the first dispensary open, we're first time patients and first time customers. Um, what can you tell like people, what, or what can you say that people should expect to come in as like a first time patient? Or what should people expect coming into Unity Road as a first-time customer? Yeah, so you know we are a, we are an education-focused dispensary. Our our biggest thing about what we do, uh, because being the first one, a lot of people when they came to us, it was the first time that they had ever been in a dispensary. So uh, we're we're very much education-focused. So when somebody comes into our dispensary, one of the first things we ask is, you know, what's their user level like? Like, are they are they a pro, or is this something that they haven't uh, even thought about since the you know '80s, '90s, or, or ever? in their life right. and then you know if they are a pro kind of understanding you know what their method of consumption is kind of take us on that guideline show us what you want and then we'll kind of guide you through our store to, to, to make that perfect match right uh, and you know we're always uh, available to learn information from our mm -hmm. patients too so we, we've learned a lot from our customers coming in but then we look at those first-time uh, people that are coming in and we really walk them through the entire process we take them through a store uh, we show them the differences between you know flowers between vape cartridges between edibles tinctures and we, we talk about the different effects the different onsets uh, you know what they should expect from each one of the different types of strains and we really focus on making sure that the patient has an understanding of not only what they're getting but what the process is beyond leaving our doors right 
That's huge. So what would you say is like the average age of patient that you see? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the first, the, the average age has, has definitely changed month over month, but I can tell you, uh, when we first opened our doors, our average age of our patient was 57. Now it's, it's gone down quite a bit. I think we're at like 43, which is awesome. I finally average age. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we are seeing a lot of the older crowd come into our store, uh, and, and really a lot of first time experiences with, with cannabis. Right. There's been a lot of people out there and I can personally say this that have, you know, kind of been fearful about openly admitting that they are a cannabis user. And I know that having a establishment that they can go to and feel comfortable, like telling them what they want and leaving the store, that's a huge thing. It's like, yeah, you can come in and feel comfortable, but do you feel safe going home and consuming the product, um, knowing what it is and what it will do, what it affects and what it might be able to help? Obviously, as a dispenser, you can't sit there and say, oh, yeah, this will cure this or do that. But the goal is to help make baby steps towards that progress. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the funniest things that uh, I think when, when people come in, we, we provide that safe space, right? So what has been taboo for so many years and can't talk about, now we provide an environment where we're asking these open questions. How much do you consume? What's your favorite method? Yep. And I mean, we literally get people that, that look both ways like, okay, is, is it okay to tell you that I've you know been smoking weed for the mm -hmm. last five years or that you know I get it from a guy that does this, whatever, you know? Yes, it is, because it's very important for us to know what, what we're dealing with, you know, what, right. what sort of level of, of engagement that you need. And uh, we provide that, like I said, that safe space. We have that commonality, and, and people just open up. I mean, they tell you some wild stories, uh, you know, and it's, it's just, it's a good time. We, and it's a really good way for us to engage and get to learn about our patrons more. I mean, right. we've, got, we've got regulars that come in that, I mean, they know a lot about us. We know a lot about them. It's great. It's, it's, it's an awesome place. Every day that I work in the dispensary is like a fun day at work. That's awesome. So uh, your dispensary is actually like the first one, obviously, that I went to. And I was mm -hmm. at your grand opening. And I actually, you know, went inside and I had your bud tenders walk me through the whole process, right? Like they asked me like what I would be interested in, you know, using it for, if it's sleep or, you know, back pain or something like that. And then they would, you know, give me some suggestions and some options. But, you know, obviously I can still buy whatever I wanted, you know, and I really appreciated them walking me through all of that and just seeing how they treat new patients, I guess, being yeah, in the industry, yeah. it's important that people feel like they're yeah, safe, like you said earlier, and also very, um, like they have a place for resources, mm -hmm. right? And they yeah. can ask questions. So one thing to note about Unity Road is we are we are a franchise. We are the only cannabis, uh, cannabis franchise in the United States mm -hmm. that is registered with the federal government. And because of that, we have certain criteria that we have to meet uh, in order to open up our doors. And education is, is a big piece of that. We actually yeah, have, uh, Faye Powell is the director of education for all of Unity Road. And on a monthly basis, she sends us out training based on the product that are available in our state and, and how different things interact and how different things will affect people differently. So every single month, uh, our people go through about three hours of, of training to learn more about the product, about the process and, and about the people uh, of cannabis. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's still a up and coming industry. I mean, there's still new information comes out all the time about it and there's no book that says this is how cannabis is and it's not ever going to change like i mean with alcohol and tobacco there's been like I've, I've repeated this before but there's it's been legal for a long time so you know what it is the different variations of it and blah 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 whatever but with when it comes to cannabis like there's 
it's it changes and like you see the thca thco and all that other stuff that pops up in like the vape shops and stuff like that and so education is a huge thing and because people are confused i mean if you have somebody who isn't really into the cannabis like that and even myself like if i look on the shelf and i see 100 different products i now i know but before like a year or two ago i wouldn't have any idea what i was going to grab right so yeah, yeah bud tender education is a huge huge thing I, I personally i still feel overwhelmed <laughs> when i like walk into a dispensary and i look at that wall i still feel like oh man there's so much here what do i uh, what what should i take you know speaking of like the amount of products um how do you think i know south dakota has only been we've been legal for like uh, over a year now but you guys have only been open for six, eight months. Six months. Um, how do you think in comparison to other medical states that South Dakota is doing, like with the availability of products and stuff like that? You know, we're, we're getting there. So I think some of the biggest things that we look at uh, as far as our product selection is it's really going to be patient driven you know uh all we had was flour right away so that's all that was available but we heard from so many people gummies 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 Mm -hmm. edibles right and the manufacturers brought them to us and now they're they're doing really well and now we're starting to see some of the waxes uh come on some lotions are starting to come out as well bath bombs etc so it really excites me to see where this industry will evolve over the next two three five years when we can start getting some you know some drinks and some different sorts of you know different sorts of ways to consume outside like like topicals for mm-hmm. instance get yep. some more topicals that, that, that will help with some different pains in, in different uh, areas but direct muscle pain stuff like absolutely that. Yeah. i mean there's so much stuff out there and us in a young market we just we don't know right so that's one of the things that i really enjoy when i when i do travel especially to establish cannabis markets i like going into their their dispensaries and just yep. looking around it's like absolutely. oh that's so cool i can't wait till we get that and I love being I love the patient aspect of it. Like even if you work at a dispensary, own a dispensary, you can still go to another dispensary locally or wherever. And it's the cannabis industry is just such a happy, welcoming place. Like you can go in another place and, you know, you just feel welcome nine times out of ten. And you can ask questions. Like you said, even if you do travel, there are a lot of places going back on the bud tender education that are out of state. And you can go in and be like, hey, what is this stuff? We don't have this yet. Right. Um, And I hope that it continues to be like that because. We need it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> People need options. Absolutely. Um, and see, one thing, you know, regarding product availability and that type of thing, you know, one complaint that we hear over and over see, right, is like product pricing and why it's yeah. high or more expensive than it is from the guy in the corner and that type of thing. Um, so kind of walk us through a little bit of like how, you know, prices are now and how you see that in the future getting better. Cannabis economics, right? Cannabis 101 economics. So, you know, this market is just like any other commodity, right? Where it's driven by supply and and demand. So in the beginning, uh, there's not a whole lot of, of patients. So it takes a lot of money to get these dispensaries, these cultivation and these testing facilities and manufacturing facilities going, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a ton of money involved. And the other thing coming from the cannabis industry is nobody's going to borrow you that money. So every all, every business that's open right now has a ton of cash that's tied up into that. And uh, you know, because of that, people need to make money when when product comes out. So, you know, what we've seen right away is some pretty high prices based on the availability. We're starting to see those prices come down uh, quite a bit now. Uh, I think there's 
about 20 cultivators that are out there. So the, 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 there's starting to be a flood of product uh, available. But they're also starting to take some of that extra product and use that for manufacturing to turn it into some other uh, types of product. But what I see is, is our uh, pricing market probably correcting itself or getting uh, a lot better within the next three to four months. Uh, just again, the card counts are going to continue to increase yep. and uh, the product availability and the harvest are going to continue to increase yep. as well. So again, supply and demand, if there's more supply, more demand or, you know, and more demand or supply to meet that demand, uh, we'll be able to get it out right. there. But you know, the, the big thing with this industry is, in the beginning, we see a ton of people go out there and support this, right? Uh, and then when the pricing came out, oh, it cost me this much money to get my license. Oh, it cost me this much money to go in and get a you know eighth of cannabis. Oh, it cost me this much. You know, it all all comes down to a, a pricing match. But if you want the industry to survive, if you want the industry to be around, you know, in two years, four years, five years. You have to support that industry that you voted for. You can't, yep. you know, say out of one side of your mouth, "Oh yeah, you know, I support legalized marijuana in, in in South Dakota," but then on the other side of your mouth, "Well, I'm going to still go buy it from Joe down the street yep. because it's half the price, yep. right?" Joe down the street doesn't have his product tested. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't have uh, employees. He doesn't have a facility. He didn't have to pay, you know, in some cases, seventy five thousand dollars to the state for a license. So. Yes, there is a money factor in that. Are these dispensaries uh, making money yet? Most likely not. Uh, I know we're not. I know there's uh, you know a lot of other dispensaries out there that are not. So, you know, it's it's getting there. You know, the economics are are, are starting to kind of turn around uh, once the card count goes up. Once the industry starts to get leveled with uh, you know, the right amount of product, we'll still we'll start seeing things turn to the patient's benefit for sure. Yeah. I, I as long as there's progress, <laughs> that that's good enough for me. Cause I mean, again, it is a brand new industry. You've only as the first dispensary, you've been only open for six months. Um, but other than like the economical part, what challenges do you think? Cause I mean, a lot of people are, are just saying that like owning a dispensary is oh just a huge cash grab and whatever. It must be the most fun job in the world. Like, yeah, I'm sure being a bud tender is fun. Um, but again, at the education part, like it's stressful. So like what else on the back end do you have to do to like remain open to the public and be able to get people the good medicine, the clean medicine that they need? Yeah. You know, I, I will agree with you a hundred percent that it is the funnest job in the world. I love what I do every single day. Uh, but it's not the cash grab that everybody thinks it is because mm -hmm. again, we're, we're looking at best to try and get a 50% margin, but out of that 50%, we have to pay rent. We have to pay our employees. We have to pay our insurance. We have to pay the licensing. We have to pay the taxes. Oh, and by the way, the taxes, you get to write off cost of goods, Minus total sales, nothing else uh, in this industry is right up. So no marketing yep. costs, no no nothing. It's just cost of goods minus you know, sales. That's what you pay taxes on. So when everybody thinks that there's a ton of money to be made in this, yes, in a recreational industry, that's possible. Right now in a medical industry with only 7,000 patients and 30 plus dispensaries open, mm -hmm. it's not possible. Yeah, hopefully. I know there's a lot more licenses out there. Like if you look on our website, there's we have a pretty big list, but a lot of places aren't open or oh, using yeah. using their licenses, whether that be for growing or manufacturing or cultivation. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. Like we have a yeah, we have a list for the cards mm -hmm. on our website, and then we also have a list of the dispensaries on our website. Um, <clears throat> but so 
I guess one thing kind of going off of what you just said, right? Like the economics, right? So, you know, like pharmaceutical companies, right? They can pay to, you know, advertise wherever they want in the U.S., right? That's allowed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, cannabis companies are are not allowed to do that. So, I mean, how do you outweigh that or what do you do instead to, you know, deal with that? You know, we, we really rely on customer experience and, and word of mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, this this illegal industry was all created on a word of mouth. Hey, I need some product. Oh, you go talk to Joe or whatever, right? right? But now we, we need the they're trying to operate the legal market the same way because they're putting so many restrictions, so many restrictions on the way that we can get the word out, right? So we really rely heavily on that that you know, word of mouth and, 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 you know, our overall customer experience and opportunities like this, you know, just to get out and help educate the public on, you know, the industry as a whole. Right. Like I kind of look at it like, you know, pharmaceutical companies need patients in order to survive. Right. Well, same thing with, you know, dispensaries or cannabis businesses. Right. They need patients in order to survive. So it's kind of unfair that there's like a double standard there. Right. You can literally have a commercial saying, oh, yeah, this is this pill will treat your anxiety, but could give you stomach ulcers, cancer, (laughs) suicidal thoughts. It's terrible. (laughs) And that's what blows me away. I I joke all the time with my wife and kids is every time you see one of those pharmaceutical commercials come on TV, like the the bad stuff is terrible. Like (laughs) if there was one for cannabis is like, okay, might make you hungry, might make you thirsty. Right. Probably gonna make you sleepy. You know, it's like right. you might miss your alarm. Right. Like, <laughs> you might have the best day ever. Right. You could have I mean, like you might be just awesome, right? But you don't have to worry about dying. You don't have to worry about tearing your sphincter or some of these other crazy things that uh, you know. I don't know. I, literally there was <laughs> no, one I, of these I was like, like, how does that happen it's from crazy. taking a pill? But you know, it's it's insane. And the pharmaceutical companies push that, the doctors push that, mm-hmm. the media push that, mm-hmm. but I can't give you a safe product that really I can tell you, you all can the grow ingredients. from oh, here. Absolutely. Tell me one ingredient in Tylenol. I can tell you all the ingredients in cannabis. Right. Water, dirt, love. God, <laughs> love, right. you know, sunlight. That's it. I mean, it, it's that easy. Yeah. No, I mean, whenever those commercials come on, I always try because they it goes really fast. I always try to read the fine print as fast as I can just to see <laughs> what they say on there. Cause dude, some of those side effects are just astronomical compared to what it's actually like treating you for yeah and doesn't I, make any sense i think a lot of people also like don't know that the u.s is the only country in the world that like allows that right like pharmaceutical companies to just you know, advertise their drugs you know i mean that's super weird to walk into your doctor's office and be like hi i want xyz because i saw it on tv yeah, yeah. you know and, and that's the thing you look at the industry as a whole and i don't ask for much I, and again I, I have other businesses and i've done other businesses and this by far is the hardest thing that i've ever done mm-hmm. in the business world all i want to be done or all i want to happen is to be is to be treated equally when it comes to business yep. right so if you're going to allow the pharmacy companies if you're going to allow the pharmacy companies to do something, allow us to do something. And for all these people to continue to compare us to alcohol, mm-hmm. well, all right, if you're going to allow the bars and the alcohol companies yep. to advertise and market, then you should allow us to do so as well. We get pigeonholed into a category that doesn't exist. Like, we can't do anything without being crucified for trying. Until it changes on the federal level from a Schedule One drug and it's compared and put into the same category as, what, methamphetamine? mean cocaine heroin like 
Dude, that the fact that you can even have that there and not laugh at yourself as a lawmaker um, is it is sad. Yeah. At least um, decriminalize. I mean, at this point, I feel like, you know, they should be at least looking at decriminalizing I mean, Look how many alcohol-related deaths there are. Look how many overdoses there are in opiates that aren't street drugs. Yeah. Like, that are just prescribed pills. Like, dude, it is... And a lot of times, those people who are on prescribed pills go to street drugs because it's cheaper or insurance cuts them off, but their body literally becomes addicted to that stuff. And yeah, sure, you wake up in the morning and you wouldn't hit a bong before you <laughs> go about your day to you know put you in a good mood or you need a little bit of tincture at night to help you sleep. How is that any different than somebody going home and drinking a, two glasses of whiskey every night? It, it just doesn't make any sense. A absolutely. You can't have it both it, ways. You know, I had a, a patron come into the dispensary. He's probably been about a month ago now. And he said something to me that will just resonate for the rest of my life. Uh, this guy was a, a recovering meth addict. I think at the time when he first came in, he was on day 21 of being clean. And he was telling us his whole story and, and whatnot. And uh, he said, he's like, you know, everybody says marijuana is a gateway drug. And he's like, that couldn't be further from the truth. He's like, marijuana is not the gateway drug. It's the illegal drug dealers that mm -hmm. provide the gateway to mm -hmm. other illegal drugs. Yep. He's like, I would have never got hooked on methamphetamine had I not been looking for marijuana. All I wanted was some marijuana to help me get through my day, to help mm -hmm. me sleep. But then, lo and behold, my drug dealer says, well, hey, have you ever tried this? Have you ever tried this? Oh, this is a nice little pick-me-up. And next thing you know, guy's addicted to meth. Yeah. You know, and it took him forever to get off that. But when he said that to me, I was like, holy crap, this dude's completely right. You That's know, my whole life, people have been like, oh, marijuana is a gateway drug. It is not a gateway drug. That's it's the illegal drug dealers yep. that provide a gateway. They so usually sell more than one thing. To the illegal drugs. Yeah, they're or like they're around people that have it. Just unroll it. What do you want? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and again, in all of these dispensaries in South Dakota, you're not going to find any meth. You're not going to find any fentanyl. You're not going to find any cocaine. All you're going to find is 100% tested and legal cannabis to yep. be sold to our medical patients in this state. Yep. So what's wrong with that? You know, that that's... <laughs> Depends who you're asking. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what would you say, like, I know you said you were pretty happy with how the market's gone, and obviously there's room for improvement, but what do you think could improve? If you had to name, like, two or three specific things that you wanted to happen in the cannabis industry in this state in the next year could you pinpoint a couple education educate like educating the public here's one of the thing that really upsets me the most is uh you know i think first year out it was 187 dispensary licenses that were approved by the state on top of the cultivation licenses on top of the manufacturing licenses etc and a portion of all of those licenses paid to the state was supposed to go to the education of the people about the medical marijuana industry. Yep. Where's that been? I, I, I promise you that I've done more and all the other dispensary owners have done more mm -hmm. to educate the public than the state has. Yeah. I don't even 100%. think there's a state team, you know, for I, I, I've heard and I know that a lot of people that have been employed by the state to work for medical cannabis mm -hmm. have either quit or left the or whole program it, it, they're gone like yeah there's no real there's no one-stop shop for information i mean they have a no. website but it just doesn't give you what you need right so i mean that's a huge part of why we decided to do this is to try to bring some of that education out even on yeah. the bills like i was looking at the bills before i got here and there's obviously like 10 or 15 different sections but as soon as you click into it it literally go it says the same thing in every single bill and you have to sift through it to try to find which each 
or what applies to each specific mm -hmm. segment. And it's like, why can't you clear? Why, why isn't there clear definition of, Hey, this is what we were proposing. This is what we'd like. Vote for it. Vote against it. Right. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, I just command F on those bills. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just looking for fine. keywords. Right. Yeah. Just fine. You know, it's interesting. The, you, you'd mentioned earlier the, the cannabis industry being a, you know, a good opportunity to make money. The only people that have made money on this so far has been the state of South Dakota. Hmm, surprise, That's surprise. it, period. Yep. But they've not reinvested any of that money back into the education of the public. Or effort. But they restrict me from doing it. They restrict you from doing it. I mean, we're all restricted in how we do it. The only, I guess, governing body that isn't is the one that we're paying to do it, but yep. they're not. So, you know, right now with this legislative session going on, I mean, every one of us, all, all the viewers, all the listeners, all, all the dispensary owners, I mean, we really need to make sure that our voice is being heard and, and tell your representatives, hey, what are we doing to educate the public about cannabis? You've cashed all these checks, but we're not getting the message out. Quote yeah. me if I'm wrong, but didn't a particular governor say we would have the best medical industry or medical cannabis industry in the country, you know, a couple months ago? I think we're falling a little short. Um, yeah, um, I guess contact your representatives. Yeah, <laughs> right. Start writing I mean, letters. You, know? you got to be the change. Letters. But honestly, it comes down to the point like people need to fight it. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, what's gone on so far, which is, has been great. Yes, we have medical cannabis now. Um, they've shut down other bills twice. Now, mm -hmm. the first time what well, it passed and it got shut down the second time it didn't pass. And I mean, we've already talked about that, but I feel like people need to not accept that. No. Um, it, there are things that need to happen. Like you can't have the best industry in the country or even claim that we're going to have the best industry in the country and not even put any effort towards it. Like there's literally not even a team of people that are like, Hey, this is what we should do for our state or do research on Colorado and California and the numerous other medical states that are out there be like, Hey, this is what works for them. This is what doesn't work for them. This is what works for them. This is what doesn't work for them. And let's try to apply it to us and see what works for us. And I mean, obviously it's a fluid industry. So we expect change as a dispensary owner. You expect change as a former employee. Like I expect change for sure. And you have to stay up to date on that. That's part of the education. But when there's no effort from the state's part, like it's extremely hard to find good information, to find truthful information, and then to promote it because it's not even there nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Right. And like going off of the bills, like <clears throat> I think it's really a bad idea to leave all of that in the hands of the legislature. Right. Like I think that every bill that they introduce regarding, you know, the industry, whatever, I think that we should vote on it. Like the people should vote, not yeah. just the legislature deciding no, whatever vote. they want to decide. You know, I think that they need to just let everybody vote every year on whatever changes that they want to make. You know, I know that they retracted the bill regarding the medical cards, you know, and I mean, basically, I mean, that would have kneecapped the mm -hmm. entire industry. Mm -hmm. All that would have done is sent people up to Flanger to get their cards up there. And yeah. every dispensary here would have just stagnated until they died. Yeah, that one that they're proposing right now that it makes you have a established relationship with a provider and it has to be in a medical facility. A lot of people don't have a primary care provider. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't have insurance. A lot of people don't have access. And especially these days where we live in a world of e-care and, and electronic telemedicine, but isn't available. I mean, we're, we're advancing our technology in our society, but we're still being held to these yep. standards that don't make sense for where we're at societally. 
right? And it feels like we are the only state that's doing that. We're the only state that doesn't allow the telehealth visits, you know, and it has to be in person. And, you know, a lot of people, even that, people are super confused about, you know, because they see, you know, a card clinic for the... um, the FSST cards, right? Mm-hmm. And it's telehealth. And then they're all confused, like, well, why can't I do that for the South Dakota yeah. one? Like, I don't know, because some lawmaker decided that you needed to see a doctor in person. I, I don't know. And I can't. I, not I even know. just that, but the the fact that, like, the people from that area were giving people medical cards and were openly saying, yeah, this is, this is your medical card. You can use this wherever. And... I cannot tell you how many people, and I'm sure that you can attest to this, have come into the dispensary and be like, hey, I don't have a state card, but here's my medical card and hand you a Flandreau card and fully expect to go in there. And then you tell them, I'm sorry, but it has to be a state issued card. And they're like, one of the most heartbreaking things as a dispensary owner is turning away a patient who is in clear need. Yep. Right. And when we opened our doors, that happened way too often and i blame the lack of education Mm -hmm. for that and not only that we would get so many people to your point that would show up with you know reservation cards or they would show up with a printed off piece of paper uh you know of a maybe a pending approval or you know another state's card because they say oh you guys have reciprocity i can use it but that's that's not there and i i feel that that burden should fall on our state as far as educating people the right processes because again now we're talking you know there's people who could potentially face jail time right because we're talking yeah. about a controlled substance here yep. if they do things the wrong way i just think that there's too much at risk not to inform the public on the right way to do things I have it be clear cut absolutely in my dispensary it's black and white, right? That's the way that the state wants us to run is yep. black and white and compliant. I expect the same thing from them. <laughs> right. When you owe them I mean, money, they come get it real quick. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I would say like our state is the most restrictive out of any state like across the nation. Like mm-hmm. our marijuana laws are incredibly restrictive. You know, you still can't, you know, like you can still get charged with ingestion, right? You know, things like that, you know, like they haven't decriminalized anything. So if you're not a card holder, you're still very, very, very much on the hook for going to jail or, you know. So funny story. Um, Actually, one of the co-founders of the coffee house, my buddy Tyler, shout out Tyler. Um, He was driving through town the other day and they had a bunch of sobriety checkpoints up throughout the entire state. And he got pulled over and immediately the officer pulled him out of the car and was like, hey, you have cannabis on you, blah, 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 blah. And the guy found all of it and then asked, like, hey, do you have a medical card? And then, like, at the, finally he ended up letting him go. But it's just like they are, they are charging people because mm-hmm. he had a form of concentrates that if he didn't have a medical card would probably land him in jail. Yep. Felony. A felony, felony charge. Yeah. yeah. And it's just because if you're if you have pain, then you can ingest it like that's awesome. But just because what if he didn't have access to get a medical card or what if he didn't have the two hundred dollars at a, at one point to pay the doctor and then seventy five to the state yeah. just to be able to have access to that? Mo- like, it, you know, it, even it, 
Well, even like differentiating right between flour and then, you know, um, like wax, yep. you know, and that kind of thing. Right. People don't realize that flour is a misdemeanor, but anything that's been changed from that original flour, yeah. like wax, gummies, edibles, whatever, nope. that's a felony. Felony. You know, so I think it's really important that people understand that there's a huge, huge, huge difference there. You know, and right now the state has given are given us the opportunity to do it right. If mm -hmm. you want to consume cannabis, if you want to purchase cannabis, there is a process to do it legally, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody that's out there now, I guess, who would get busted, who isn't doing it right, I mean, it, you kind of, at some point, got to be like, well, what opportunity? It was there. You, yeah, the opportunity for right. you to, to get out of jail uh, was there before you actually went to jail. So, you know, at, at some point, and again, it comes down to supporting the industry. You want to have a medical program, but a medical program isn't good if it doesn't have any medical patients. Right. Kind of going off of what you just said, yes, I wholeheartedly agree to that to an extent because there are, especially at the beginning, there was only, what, three or four ailments that people could have had. Yep. And when in other states, there are a lot of other ones that are justifiably legal for you to consume cannabis and they weren't here and so in those instances agreed i um yeah. but with everything else i wholeheartedly agree with you on that because the opportunity is there yeah. i mean if you if money was the issue save money and if money is the issue you shouldn't be consuming cannabis unless it is for a debilitating condition i mean because obviously it is medicine but at the end of the day some people don't treat it like that right and i mean i really think if they federally decriminalize then i think insurance companies would have to take a second look at what they are going to cover and not cover and you know i think that that's that a huge be. thing probably mm -hmm. that you know has to do with it because you know how many people like when i was you know at the clinic, you know, people asking, will my insurance cover this? Mm -hmm. Will my insurance cover this? Like, no. I mean, it's still federally very much not legal. Yep. It's still very illegal. So no, like right. they won't cover this. I'm sorry. And yeah. now, I mean, now I don't know what the conversation will be if that does actually go through the whole thing where you have to have the established relationship um, other than if they were to refer you to somebody. So for the sole instance of writing the cannabis recommendation, but I think that that would take away from a lot of people's access to be able to get the cards because a lot of people, again, don't have insurance or don't have a primary care. So mm -hmm. you would have to find primary care, which if you don't have insurance could run you up in the thousands. And then you're stuck with a huge bill just to be able to get medicine that was available to you up until some what senator senator yeah. decided to write it a bill feels, against it like, yeah it feels like it's becoming like a rich people drug or something yeah well and this and this is where it's kind of our responsibility to start holding people accountable mm -hmm. right all the people that are making this extremely difficult to do those are elected people like those people don't have their job forever we need to as a group right stand together and, and actually voice your opinion yeah. you know and I, I think you kind of expounded on it last time a big portion of the reason why recreational may not have passed is because we didn't have the voter turnout mm -hmm. so one of the things that i i'm huge on is you know don't give me any words give me actions like words do nothing yeah, for me huge show difference. me what you're going to do and people don't realize how powerful that they really really are mm -hmm. one person can make a huge difference no matter who tells you that they can't they really can so if you start barking up the right tree, if you start doing the right actions, we will get results. But, you know, banding together is going to get those results happening a lot yep. sooner. You know, this cannabis industry is a very close knit industry of people, whether it be from the, the, the card clinics to the dispensary owners, mm -hmm. to the cultivators, to the manufacturers, everybody knows everybody and everybody is awesome to work with. We have yep. to be a close knit family because we're 
walking uphill against some of the you know biggest influences in this state and and it seems like we don't get a chance to ever win and that's why we need the rest of the public yep. who's wanting you know medical cannabis legal to guys quit letting them you know dig their feet dig their heels in and and resist us the whole way let yep. us roll out a successful uh, compliant educated medical uh, cannabis program yeah right. it's crazy the amount of effort and money and resources that have been pulled against it <laughs> whether it be the medical industry at first and then the recreational thing like there have there's and now with all the the new bills that are being proposed like dude there's so much energy effort time money resources all that being spent and to make it harder for everybody yeah. from the dispensary owner, the cultivation owner, whatever, all the way down to the patient. Like it's literally making it harder because now I don't know, I got my card through a clinic last year and now I don't know who I'm going to go to, to get it renewed. Yeah. Like it's a serious problem that we're all going to face if that does go through. You know, it's funny you mentioned all this money that is against the, uh, you know, the cannabis campaign. Uh, right after recreational was uh, defeated, there was a, a group out there that was, you know, an anti-Measure 27 mm -hmm. group. It was all about the kids or whatever. For so after children. it was defeated, the next day I reached out to them to say, okay, now you won. Now I want to know what your plan is because you had made mention this entire time that, you know, cannabis was like the second uh, most abused substance in, in high school. And, you know, that I think it was like 40% of all high schoolers had, had experimented with cannabis. Mm -hmm. So now that the election is, is, has been won and we know that recreational is not going to be available to these kids, what are you going to do now to reduce that 40% that's in those schools? And the answer that I got absolutely astounded me. They said, well, sir, we're not, we're, we're an advocate group. We're not an action group. And I'm like, are you? That's insane. Oh, what Freaking a non-answer. Yeah. That I mean, all they wanted to do was to stir Stop the it. pot, but they will do nothing for actions. So those are the type of people that we as an industry <clears> are going <throat> up against. People that will rally the troops against you. But when it comes to fixing Action. the problem or, or making the, the, the issue better, they won't do. I promise you that there is no, you know, cannabis being consumed in high school that uh, is, you know, medical cannabis from Buffing, one of our programs, right. you know? So where is it coming from? It was, it was there before we existed, but everybody turned the blind eye to it. Yeah. It's not until we want it legalized that it's a focus. I remember right. when our mayor was saying that it would have made it worse if <laughs> we would have gone recreational because yeah. like, the problems would have outweighed, like, show me one state example where money spent towards treatment and like jail time and stuff like that was outweighed by the profit. Like you could literally just take jail alone and take all the people, all the money that's spent towards people that are in jail for cannabis, especially you can even trickle it down to just misdemeanor, like flower possession. Yeah. All that money that's not going to be spent on them alone would be beneficial for this state if yeah. it's recreational. Like, you know, I had all give these me an example. All these politicians before we opened wanted to stop in and see our dispensary, you know, before we opened the doors. I had I would say two dozen politicians come through our door. Mm -hmm. I invite any politician out there listening to this to come in and spend a day behind the counter with us to really understand the people that come into our facility. I mean, there's the definite need. And then ask them what their resistance that they had getting into the program. Actually, Let's hear from the people. Can we propose that actually? Like a politician who is willing to long. go spend yeah. a day at Unity it. Road and then we shop. will interview you afterwards and discuss the whole situation. It, it, I feel like that sounds How like about a great this? idea. If you are out there and you are against medical recreational cannabis 
and you have the time and opportunity, come spend a day at Unity Road here with BJ, and I guarantee you it'll change your mind. We will interview you. We will bring you on the show. You can sit right next to us and tell us all about your experience, your thoughts before and after. Because, I mean, uh, without being open-minded, 90% of the people against it are closed-minded and are never going to be again, never going to be for it because that's just what they've grown up on. That's what they've been told. That's what the law has told them. And that's still what the federal law tells them. But those, that few 10% or whatever percent that is willing to give it a chance. I think if we get those people to change their mind, then they start talking to that people and maybe that 90% make goes down to like 85, 80%. Mm -hmm. okay. the, the only thing that's going to change is if people like us, people that look like you, people that look like me and like are talking about it and patient stories, yeah. patient stories are huge. And my right. favorite part about working and working in the industry, because hearing people like, Oh yeah, I got, I was on this for my back pain. I was on this for my anxiety. I was on this for this. And then obviously all those side effects come along with it it starts to chop down once they start getting consistent use in medical cannabis because right. it's good, clean medicine. Right. Yeah. And jumping back a little bit to, um, you know, the election and all of that jazz, you know, one thing that I think people don't realize also is that it's illegal for cannabis businesses to advertise. Right. So in that, you know, the, the state or the government legislature, like whoever the, um, what was it? The kids, the kids campaign was yeah. the big one, right? So they're allowed to shovel as much money yep. into their anti-marijuana campaign as they wanted to. But the marijuana industry was not allowed to shovel any kind of money into any kind of education or helpful resources or telling people what's going on on yeah. the other you, end. We got you want to talk about and underhanded signs. tactics, that same group, that vote no on 27 group. I went to my kids homecoming high school homecoming football parade and guess who had a float in the parade vote no on 27 for the kids they were handing out flyers to the audience and had a big utv with a with a marijuana leaf and a big old red x how is that allowed because uh, i mean one i can't do it nor would i i don't right. think that you should be parading a marijuana leaf whether it has an x through it or not right. in front of the entire school district during a homecoming parade. But that's, that's the insane. underhanded tactics that they were using against us. Right. And I called and I reported it, but of course, you know, the the, the election already happened because it was so close and nothing gets done. Maybe a slap on the hand, but right. we're just at time. such a disadvantage when it yep. comes to we're trying to do things right. Like I'm I'm doing everything in my power to do things right every mm -hmm. single day. But all the powers that are against us seem to be finding loopholes or different ways to make my job more difficult. And again, that trickles down to the patients. So if at the end of the day, it affects users regardless if they want it to or not. So why not step up? Like use the voice that you have. Like BJ said, man, you have no idea how truly powerful you actually are. You just mm -hmm. have to talk. Like, don't be scared. Just talk. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are starting to come out of the closet now, you know, mm. about marijuana and it's becoming more of a mainstream topic. I don't know. I might be a little biased because obviously <laughs> I deal mostly with people who, you know, deal in the marijuana industry. But, you know, like knowing people like, like BJ, you're the first dispensary owner that I like mm -hmm. knew or met. Right. And, you know, you've kind of like held my hand a little through like some different things, you know, called you like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this in the law? Just interpreting 
what they like with the law, you know, how it's written and what it actually means and stuff like that. That's how a lot of the industry is, though. Everybody can talk to each other and call yeah. you. Hey, hey, did you have this problem with metric or blah, blah, blah today? Like, hey, can we figure it out? Because a lot of times you're not getting the resources from the state or anywhere else. Like Absolutely. you have to bump your head and then somebody gives you a call like hey i bumped my head on this too can you help me out you know when we <laughs> open that, i guess that's one of the things you don't even think about as being a first dispensary i mean when we were open and it's almost like when all the other dispensaries kind of i kind of felt like there was a period of time where we were the cannabis opening or the dispensary opening help desk like yep. <laughs> oh hey by the way how did you guys do this and how does how do you enter this in the metro i mean yep. but we're there to help people our peers in this industry because for me it's super important that we get it what right as a society yeah. regardless if it's my store regardless if it's Canicare or Flower Shop or East River Farms, everybody. We have to work together yep. to make sure that, that this program goes off without a hitch. Like, we, we cannot have any failures in this. You know, just like they say, your, your, you know, your weakest link is, is your worst asset. Right. We can't have any weak links in, in this industry. We no. all have to be strong and, and on our game all the time. Absolutely. I think everybody needs to be as you know adamant about it and as passionate about it as you are, because at the end of the day, it is stressful and you aren't getting a lot of help from outside sources. Um, so staying strong, staying consistent is, is very key because the patients are obviously the whole reason why we're all here. Absolutely. Uh, giving right. people a good, queen, clean option for medicine. Yeah. And I think like the dispensaries and everybody who's done a really good job of being very professional about mm -hmm. everything, right. Which obviously lends serious legitimacy to the industry itself. So I think it's really, really great that, you know, everybody gets along like, so it's not one of those, Oh, I'm stomping out the competition kinds <laughs> of industries, you know, like everybody's just like, okay, you know, if you're doing this, you know, then we're going to do this or how's this working for you or, you know, and I think it's great. Right. It's you know, and, and the people of South Dakota, Code, I, the biggest compliment that we get when people come into our store is, oh man, this isn't anything like what I expected mm -hmm. it to be. I'm like, okay, well, what did you <laughs> expect it to be, right? And they, well, you know, we expected pot leaves everywhere and just to kind of feel dirty and to kind mm -hmm. of, you know, feel like a drug deal. Mm -hmm. It's not. We're legitimizing the industry, right? Every one of the dispensaries around town, they're beautiful. Like, yep. I, I don't know how many that you've been in, but they are all amazing yep. retail locations. And we're really trying to look, look not trying, we are legitimizing the industry to make this no difference than going to a Walgreens or a Lewis drug for your medicine, right? right? And we're creating these beautiful retail uh, experiences mm -hmm. to make that happen. Yeah, the experience is what makes it for me. Um, I've, I have been to all the dispensaries and in Sioux Falls and a few outside of Sioux Falls. And yes, like you said, they're all beautiful, they're all amazing. Um, but building a relationship with a certain person or a certain location is, is huge and key, especially when it comes to this, um, because it is you know, you're in some uncharted waters. Yeah. Like, especially when you have people who are new to the industry, like a lot of people that I dealt with in the past, they may have smoked when they were in high school or whatever. And now they don't want to smoke anymore or they have asthma and they want to get into gummies or whatever else. And they just have no idea what they're getting into. But once you get them into there or once you get them in there and give them a good experience while they're at the store, they go home. They based on what you told them, like what's the effects or whatever, and they get home, they have a happy experience. They come back and they are going to tell you about that every single time. Mm -hmm. And it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And then they're going to follow your suggestions like, hey, you told me that the strawberry gummies were going to help me sleep and I'm not going to feel my back pain anymore so I can get a good night's sleep. So what else would you suggest? Yep. I'm willing to venture into this because 
I trust you and to help me out. So the relationship is a huge aspect for sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think in some aspects, the relationship with your bud tender is almost as important as your relationship with the person certifying you yep. because we're the ones uh, on the bud tender side that are going to be seeing these patients yep. on a regular basis. We're the ones that are going to be making the recommendation for the medicine that's going to treat a certain ailment. Absolutely. I mean, it is extremely important that we have a solid relationship and more importantly that they, that our patrons feel confident in sharing information with us and vice versa. So Absolutely. like, what would you say your patient, like, um, how do I say it? Like your return, like your patient return is. Oh yeah. Kind of, so like our repeat regular. customers. Yeah. yeah there you go. Repeat oh. customers. So, and it's funny, I was, I was actually uh, talking with Joey over at Canicare this morning about repeat customers mm -hmm. and just about overall traffic and volume. And uh, we've got a, a, a ton of repeat customers. I mean, we've got, I would say on a monthly basis, probably about a third of our customers right now are regulars. Yep. Uh, but when I was talking with Joey, you know, they're starting to see month over month and week over week increases in traffic. And the one disadvantage that you have being the first one open is you see the opposite of that, right? Mm -hmm. When we were the sure. only, when we were the only show in town, you had one place to go and one place to go only. And then the next month, you know, they see something new yep. and they go explore the next month, something new, go and explore. So we've actually been kind of seeing the opposite where it's here and here. Yeah. But now we've actually kind of plateaued or plateaued. And now we're starting to see that uptick, but I didn't really realize it either until just like a week ago. It's like, okay, why are we seeing this trend? Well, duh, it's because we're the first one, <laughs> we're the, the only options. option, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, one, makes a lot more sense. one thing I think with like all these bills and stuff that are being introduced, right? I think that there's probably going to be like a mad rush for people to get cards as soon as they possibly can mm -hmm. in case the laws change. So yeah. I feel like there is probably going to be like an uptick, you know, here in the next few months. Like I remember when we first uptick. started, they were talking that we were only going to get what three thousand cards total in three and years. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Well, I mean, six months ago, uh, we were at, I think it was 1648 or something mm -hmm. like that. And right now we're over 7,200. 7, yeah, 72 something. 7247, yeah. I think, or something yeah, like that. So, I mean, that's a, Don't that's quote a me. crazy <laughs> month over month increase. And if the market continues to do just that, then this industry is going to survive and do very, very well in yeah. the state. Hopefully, if it doesn't, Exactly. Then it's going to be, you know, th there's going to be other issues that come along with it. And again, those issues, any black mark on the industry is a black mark for everybody. Right? Exactly. So the, the first location that has to close for whatever reason, yep. it's just it's not good. Like you look It'll at all the things all that we bring to, to, to the state as a whole. I mean, look at all the new people who have been employed in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. If one of those places go away, now there's just adding more to the unemployment. Yep. You know, so there's all these other reasons as to why the industry as a whole should be supported, but it's primarily so that everybody can survive, so this industry can survive. Right. Absolutely. I feel like there's a, always kind of a misconception among you know everybody about you know bud tenders, right, and thinking that they're just like stoners or whatever, right? So could you maybe like tell our listeners a little bit about like the education and stuff that they have to deal with in order to do that job? Yeah. So first off, uh, when we put out that we were hiring, um, it was incredible. <laughs> like we got this onslaught of applications. Even even today, I would say we get probably ten to fifteen applications a week. But before we opened the door, we had like one hundred and fifty applications. Of those one hundred and fifty applications, we broke it down to fifty people that Adam and I personally interviewed. Of those fifty, we I think we ended up hiring uh, six, seven. 
seven uh, people. But we got to choose from this amazing talent pool, mm-hmm. right? And it was very important for us to understand, you know, that, that people had an experience with mm-hmm. cannabis because I think to truly understand cannabis, you have to experience cannabis. Have Doesn't necessarily mean that you have to smoke cannabis because we actually have, I hired two people that, that hadn't smoked cannabis, but mm-hmm. you know, they had experienced it from, you know, their, their mother-in-law had, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and, and, and couldn't hardly move. So this helped them. So yep. those experiences, what really what we were looking for, but I mean, we got people that left the medical industry. We uh, had people that left the uh, drug and addiction counseling industry to wow. come work for us. Right. So uh, the talent that we have is pretty incredible. And then when you throw in the unity road education aspect to that, again, before we opened our doors, every single one of our employees went through 40 hours of training from cannabis 101, you know, Right. What is the product? What what are the different uh, components of the product? How does it grow? I mean, to the most advanced, you know, how what is RSO, right? right. Um, and mm-hmm. it's that education level that I think continues to move us forward. So we are very well versed. And again, because we come from such diverse industries, I think that's what makes us, uh, you know, a real good fit in yeah. the cannabis world. I think you guys set the standard pretty high. I think it'd be wise for you know, others to follow suit when it comes to that, because again, we are all in this together. Um, and if one fails or one black mark, it, you know, kind of smudges everything for everybody. Um, so that's definitely something that needs to continue and improve. I mean, there's always room for improvement. It's always changing that continuous education is obviously yeah. important. Like, is there a way for, I mean, like non-employees, right, to access those resources like the Cannabis 101 or ha- like, is there like an alternative um, like place to find those resources to educate yourself that, you know, you can- like Cited information. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, <laughs> actually, so our, our director of education, Faye Powell, she puts out a lot of different publications. She was actually just in another uh, health publication. I, I read it earlier today and it was talking about uh, the intimacy uh, properties of cannabis and how during this month of, of February, there's certain strains that might be more beneficial than others, but she's constantly <laughs> putting out uh, that information yep. and that education piece. So if anybody wants to follow us on Facebook or on our Instagram, uh, we're we're going to constantly have additional educational pieces that will be helpful for those who consume the product and even for those who don't consume the product. We can do some amazing things, people. You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, um, I want to thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it. I don't have anything for you. Have any questions? Uh, no, I'm, that's that's it. I appreciate you coming in, BJ. I mean, you've been kind of, yeah, like literally kind of holding my hand <laughs> a little bit through this whole process. So yeah. we really appreciate you being our first hands. guest. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much for, for having me. And if there's anything that I can ever do to help progress the industry, let me know. Same. That's what we're here for. Like I said, like we've all said multiple times, we're all kind of in this together. And it takes a consistent effort for everybody to make this thing work so absolutely well thanks for tuning in to the coffee house episode two and see you guys next time